Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. In 1175, there was a 13-year-old boy whose father gave him a tract of land and recognized that he had tremendous potential. He was a gifted a military strategist and he was a fierce warrior. And soon he gathered gangs and bands of men around him and went from village to village raiding. He was a Mongolian and eventually he had two million Mongolians following him. They gave him the title Genghis Khan. And they say that Genghis Khan ruled over more people than any other person in history, apart from Jesus, that is. On the earth, he ruled over more people than ever. Well, he eventually passed away and handed over the kingdom to his grandson, who was named Kublai Khan. And uh, he began to reign. He made his capital in Beijing. And he ruled from there. And he had in his court a brother and an uncle whose surname was Polo. They were the Italians who, one of them was the brother of Marco Polo. Well, Kublai Khan spoke to the Polo boys, and, or to the uncle and the brother, and he said to them, I am interested in Christianity, because they began to share the gospel with him, tell him about what was happening, because at that time, right at that time, when he took the kingdom, St. Francis of Assisi was preaching all over Europe, and revival had broken out, and thousands of people were coming to Christ. And so Kublai Khan heard about this from the Polos, and he said to them, I want you to go to Rome, and I want you to find missionaries and bring them back to the Mongolian kingdom so that they can tell us about Christianity. And then he said this, he said, when we learn about Christianity, there will be more Christians in my empire than in, my empire than in all of Europe. So the Polos went back, and they spoke to the Christians in Rome, and they asked for missionaries to come. But only two friars agreed to come. And they accompanied Marco Polo, but on the way they lost heart, and they turned back and they went back home. And when the uh, band of men arrived back, the Polos, the brothers and the uncle, they spoke to Kublai Khan and he asked them, we are the missionaries. And they said no one wanted to come. Well, eventually a small handful of missionaries was actually sent and uh, they did very little. But here's the interesting thing. By the time that small handful came, that God-given opportunity had passed. How many of you know there are something called God-given opportunities? And you and I need to recognize we are living in an hour of God-given opportunities. Not just to witness to people. People come to Christ right now and there's a wonderful season but we're living in an hour of God-given opportunities despite what you're seeing around you. And I want to speak to you today because sometimes we look at the times, we look at the difficulties, and we think there is no opportunity. And the world is so bad, and the devil's doing all this, and you, you know, my gosh, if we could just survive. No, you're living in an hour of God-given opportunity. And I want to speak to you today about seizing our God-given opportunities. They are there, but you've got to seize them. And if you let the difficulties and the troubles around you affect you, you won't step up and believe God for these opportunities. The definition of a God-given opportunity is simply this. 
a set of circumstances that enable progress or breakthrough. How many want progress or breakthrough today? Well, there's, there's opportunity for progress and breakthrough. You've just got to recognize it. Now, in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, we read about this sort of dichotomy, the contrast. Paul writing to the church says, that is why it is said, wake up sleeper, because it's like we're dulled, and rise from death, not physical death, emotional death, and Christ will shine on you. If you get up, he'll do something. Amazing. So be careful how you live. Don't live like ignorant people, dull people, but like wise people, make good use of every opportunity you have. But then notice the dichotomy, because these are evil days. Well, is it an opportunity or is it evil days? It's both. You mustn't look at evil days and don't think there's an opportunity. You need to stare them in the face and say, I don't care what you look like, there are God-given opportunities right here. In this country, in this economy, in these difficulties, if we wake up and start looking for what God is doing. He says, don't be fools then, but try to find out. It's not on the surface. Try to find out what the Lord wants you to do. Do not get drunk with wine, which will only ruin you. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. You need spiritual energy to get you going, because the natural tendency when there's difficulty is to have another glass of wine after supper, and to just chill because, man, we live in a difficult country. Load shedding is number six now. Now, we need energy to see past all that and to take hold of our God-given opportunities. God will develop you in the times of trouble. T.D. Jakes put it very well, and it seems to tie up with this chaos that we're living in right now. He says, the chaos of the times create the conqueror and the man. They either break you. And make you drink to hide it or, or take drugs or, or do something to escape. Or they cause you to rise up and say, hey, this is going to be my progress. This is going to be my breakthrough. And we need to recognize that we're living in a season of opportunity. I don't know if you realize, but the devil also understands opportunity. In fact, the devil knows that this is the season of his opportunity also because there's no such thing as absolute truth anymore. We've made everything relative. Every belief is acceptable. And every kind of behavior is acceptable. And you know, the Bible says that when Jesus was tempted by the devil, the devil left him until an opportune time. The devil knows opportunity. And the scripture says we must not give opportunity to the devil. So we must look at God-given opportunities, recognizing that Satan is working. Stop looking at the past. Never look pre-COVID. Oh, I remember what it was like before. So do I. If you saw the pictures of the conference... We used to have two women's conferences that were packed, 6,000 registrations. We can't look back. We've got to look at the God-given opportunity that's coming this Thursday. Can you say amen? Helen Keller once said this. She said, often we look so long at the closed door that we do not see the one that has opened for us. God's got opportunity now that we're back, rebuilding, and I want to give you eight things that we need to understand about seizing our God-given opportunities. Are you ready? Number one, opportunities come in seasons. Opportunities come in seasons. If you study the book of Acts, you'll see right at the end in Acts 28, after Paul was persecuted, stoned, chased, beaten, brought before kings, sent to Rome. He spent two full years living in a rented house, 
preaching and teaching people. God gave him a window of opportunity and he didn't waste it. What, what windows and seasons is God giving you? They do pass. They don't last forever. We saw that with the Mongolian kingdom. We even saw that after World War II. Do you know that Gen General Douglas MacArthur went to the American churches after World War II and he spoke to them and he said to them, you need to send missionaries to Japan because after the devastation and, and the humiliation, they were humiliated uh, with those bombings and how their country was destroyed, they are hungry and open to the gospel. You need to send at least 100 missionaries. And uh, the churches in America, they only sent a handful. And here's the challenge. If you look at the population of Japan today, it is 125 million, and they say less than 1% is Christian. They missed a season of opportunity. When you're with relatives and friends, and they are open to the gospel, don't be afraid to speak. There's a window, there's a season. And maybe later they will harden their hearts and not be open. There's a season of opportunity in business right now. Don't just look at the problems, see the opportunity. You need to be opportunity-focused, not problem-focused. Number two, opportunities come to everyone. You and I and everyone in the world, as long as we're alive, have opportunity. We talk about equal opportunities. And we talk about how some people are less advantaged than others. And we can be so swallowed by that we can, that we can forget, no matter how poor you are, as long as you're alive, you've got an opportunity. You can wake up and you never know what's in you. You never know what's around you. You never know how God might bring people to you, the right person, and suddenly your world opens up. And we end up becoming victims, relying on political systems, when we need to seize our God-given opportunities, not our political opportunities. Are you with me today? You see, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5. Listen, he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. That tells me no matter who you are, blessing can come, opportunity can come, you've just got to utilize it. It's not about your behavior or your background. It's that God gives us favor in every day of our lives, and we've got to recognize it. Sometimes we think it's the talented or the educated that have got opportunity. But all of us have opportunity. We live under what's called common grace, the goodness of God, and we need to recognize it. In fact, Solomon actually said that opportunity is more important in your life than education or talent or skills. Did you know that? Most people think that if you're going to have opportunity, the playing field needs to be level, the political arena needs to change everything so that everyone can be the same and we can all go and study. No, we've got different gifts. And he says this, I want you to note this in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 9. He says, I've seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all. You see, we think that all those things are needed that he mentions in your, you know, swift, the wise, the brilliant, uh, the learned, money. They are not the key to success. The key to success is spotting your God-given opportunities. Because opportunities have seasons, but God gives opportunity to 
all. And one of the strengths that leaders have got is leaders now to spot God-given opportunities. If you're a business leader, you need to learn how to spot God-given opportunities, even in a bad economy. People made money during war. God's got something for you. Dr. Robert Schuller, the late Dr. Robert Schuller said, he said, high achievers spot rich opportunities swiftly, make big decisions quickly, and move into action immediately. They're not blind to them. And listen, you can develop this skill. This is not just something you're born with. You've got to develop. He says in Ephesians, find out what God is doing. Look beneath the surface. Make the most of opportunity. The days are evil. The economy is bad. Things are going wrong. Load shedding is at, at level six. But yet, it's a skill you can develop. They come in seasons and they come to all. You know, I've watched some soccer games on TV and it's amazing how a team, especially if you watch some of the top teams, they can be winning and, and have ball possession. They've got the ball all the time. When they show you the stats, this team's got the ball 60, 80% of the time. And that other team, what chance do they stand? And then suddenly someone slips up and the opposing team gets the ball and they run down the field and there are no defenders and they win because they saw an opportunity. Sometimes a game can be null, 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 null all the way to the end and suddenly the weaker team gets a penalty. It's an opportunity. You know, sometimes we just look at the fact that we're being dominated. I'm dominated by this and dominated by that and you know, everyone else has got possession. No, no, no. Look for the opportunity where you can counterattack, where you can switch play. You know, God did that with us when he sent us to Santon. We were down in Cape Town very happy there. Didn't want to come here. And then there was a counterattack. The church split. The people here were miserable. They were racist. They were arguing. They split the church. They went down the road, built another church. The people that were, were unhappy, they wondered why I was sent here. Was I the last resort? But it was a God-given opportunity. And I saw it. And we worked. And we've labored. And from 70 people, let me encourage you with this. From 70 people in 1992, we then had one campus, now we've got five campuses, and my encouraging word to you today is before lockdown, we had 14, 15,000 in church on our five campuses. Last weekend, we had 11,500. So we are rebuilding. You see, sometimes what we have is small, but God often uses small things to do big things. Don't look at, well, I only have... Let me remind you, the Savior of the world, the Savior of the world started out as a baby. Let me give you a couple of others here. Five loaves and two fish fed 5,000. There's an opportunity for Jesus to take that and do something with it. Small clouds lead to big rain. Remember 1 Kings 17? Elijah saw the small cloud. Faith as a mustard seed can move what? Mountains. And the kingdom of God in, one, in Matthew chapter 13, from a mustard seed can come a big tree that the birds of the air can live in. Large ships, James says, are driven by a small rudder. David took five small stones and struck down a giant. Small things in your life. The jawbone of a donkey killed a thousand men in Samson's hand and a little oil paid off the debt of the poor widow. No person is devoid of opportunities. If you're alive today, you have opportunities. 
and you need to recognize them. Even if you're working in a small, no, go-nowhere job, you have an opportunity. Even if they're not paying you a lot, you have an opportunity to develop skills. You've got eyes you can watch. Mm, they do that. Mm. Oh, and they buy that from where? Oh. Uh, and, and No, no, don't be stupid. Stop waiting for someone to save you. That's victim mentality. It's never going to happen. You need to seize the season. God gives opportunities to others. And if you're in a job that's a dead-end job, you need to view it like God views it. I love what Martin Luther King said. He said this. He said, all labor that uplifts humanity has dignity and importance and should be undertaken with painstaking excellence. Those are people who know how to use their opportunity for the next level. Number three. Are you still with me? Is this helping anyone? God creates opportunities. God is the God of opportunity. He knows what he wants to do with our lives. He knows what he wants us to become. He knows what kind of people we need to be uh, in contact with, who to bring into our orbit, and we need to trust him. Because opportunities come to everyone, but God creates specific opportunities. The parable of the talents, God gave them an opportunity. He gave one five, he gave one two, he gave one one. Is this mic cutting out? Sounds like it's... Just check it. So the five-talent man had a lot of opportunity. The two-talent man had less, but he still had. I feel like Kramer in Seinfeld. He still had opportunity. And the man with one, what did he think? He thought he had no opportunity, but he had one. You see, the way you view opportunity is all important. And it was a God-given opportunity because that one talent did not come from the devil. It came from God. And we've got to understand that God gives opportunities. We've got to take them. And sometimes God will use opportunities and use opportunities in a strange way. Do you remember when Samson wanted that Philistine woman uh, in the book of Judges and his parents were upset with him? The scripture actually says this, and I'll just pick it up. It says that his father and mother didn't realize, Judges 14, that the Lord was at work in this, creating an opportunity to work against the Philistines. God will use chaos. He'll even use wrong motives to get opportunity to us to fulfill his purposes. And we need to look for God opportunities. We need to understand that even in times of trouble, God is working. Do you remember when Paul got saved in Acts chapter 9? The Lord said to him, you're going to be my voice to kings and Gentiles. How did those opportunities open up? Through persecution. Don't think that your hardships and your difficulties are not opportunities. Number four, this leads me into the next one. Opportunities come disguised as problems and opposition. Maybe you've got some problems right now. Maybe you've got some opposition. I do believe that if you look carefully, you could see opportunity. And what happens often is we, we, we don't recognize the God opportunities in our lives because they, they don't look the way we expect. David faced Goliath. Do you remember that? And it was a problem for Israel that the giant and the, the, the armies of the enemy had besieged them, but it was a divine opportunity. And David came and he recognized it as not a problem, but an opportunity. And he stepped up and he 
was able to defeat the giant. Saul was demotivated by the problem. David got excited about it. I love that. And uh, John Maxwell says this. He says, when problems confront successful leaders, they get excited about the opportunity. I remember when our building was too small next door. Five services. We didn't have enough parking. Our neighbors were freaking out. And my standard phrase to my neighbors was, I'm so sorry about the traffic. I can't help it. The people just keep coming. <laughs> they were getting freaked out with me. And then eventually they're like, okay, what can we do? You know? And we found a way. We built a parking garage. We built another building. Problems are opportunities for expansion. And, uh, and the two often go together. You'll remember this well-known verse, and I've preached on this stuff so much in the past, but I felt prompted of the Lord to speak on it again. 1 Corinthians 16, Paul says, I will stay here in Ephesus until the day of Pentecost. He says there is a real opportunity here for great and worthwhile work. I mean, he's really exaggerating it. And then he says, even though there are many opponents. Can you see that the two go together? Too many of us, when we see problems or difficulties, we don't see opportunity. We need to look right through it and see God doing something. Pastor Mensah Ottable, wonderful man who uh, has preached here at our men's conference, he said, great opposition gives birth to great opportunities. And we need to recognize that there's danger in everything we do. If you go to work, there's danger. There are challenges. There will always be difficulties. And when there are difficulties, there are opportunities for expansion. Uh, we, we've had difficult neighbors, and our difficult neighbors have forced us to think out the box, to buy the properties we've bought, to expand, to put parking across the road. We didn't just say, oh, we're being persecuted for Jesus. You become a victim. Now you find a way to win. Find a way to win. Look at your neighbor this morning and say to them, find a way to win. Because there are God's solutions for your problems and challenges, but they're called God opportunities. And you need to recognize them today. I don't know if you realize how silk was invented. Silk in the West was something unknown. It was discovered in 2700 BC, before Christ. And uh, the emperor of China asked his wife to see what was going on with these mulberry trees. And she went outside and she examined the leaves and she noticed there was this average looking moth and it was laying eggs, and the eggs became caterpillars, and the caterpillar spun this thread that wrapped around itself and became a cocoon, and uh, she took one of the cocoons, and she dropped it in hot water, and she unraveled it, and it turned out, according to the history, it was a half a mile long. Amazing, and she wondered to herself, gee, they're eating up the trees, but I wonder if we could weave this, so they invented a loom, they started weaving silk, Silk became, the word silk is actually synonymous with quality, changed the fashion world, but the Chinese had monopoly on it for years and years until the Roman emperor Justinian sent two monks. If you want to infiltrate, send a monk. No one will think that a monk is going to do anything, but in AD 522, after Jesus, 3,000 years later, they went and they brought back mulberry leaves in the hollow of their staffs, and they brought back some, uh, some uh, caterpillars, and 
moths. And from just that little bit, the whole Roman Empire started developing silk, and they no longer were dependent on the Chinese for silk. And that's how silk has become known throughout the whole of the East and the West. A problem led to a solution. And opportunities come disguised as opposition, but we need to see God in them. Can you say amen? Here's number five, and this is what you need to do today. We must seize them or they will pass. The doors of opportunity do not stay open. We need to grab them when they're open and we need to go in. Now listen to me. Many of us, when we see opportunities, we overanalyze. We dissect. We're too educated. We go through the whole swat, you know, strengths, weaknesses, threats. Yeah. No, no, you, you, you know what? The, the, the paralysis of analysis is dangerous. You know, Saul and the army, when they faced Goliath, paralysis of analysis. David comes and he looks. He spots an open forehead. That's all you need to see, a door of opportunity. And he takes it at the right time. He brings the giant down and he frees, frees an entire nation. We need to be adept at seizing opportunities or they will pass. Jesus himself said this in John chapter 9. As long as it is a day, or as long as it is day, we must keep on doing the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. In other words, opportunity has a shelf life. I love what Leonard Ravenhill said. He put it like this. The opportunity of a lifetime needs to be seized during the lifetime of the opportunity. It has a shelf life, and unless you grab it, it will pass. And we need to be wise. Grab these opportunities. Zacchaeus heard that Jesus was coming by, and he climbed up a tree. He took the opportunity, and Jesus spotted him. We need to position ourselves in an hour of opportunity so that when the Lord is working, we can work with him, and we can see victory. You see, here's the principle. If you're making notes this morning, God helps those who seize their opportunities. If you're not seizing your opportunities, don't complain that God's not giving you any. It's just that you're not seeing them. And God works through his sovereignty, but he also works through opportunity. Let me remind you of 2 Kings chapter 13. There's a king called Jehoash, and Elisha is about to die. So he visits the king and he says to the king, I'm going to die. This is what I want you to do. Take an arrow and shoot it out the east window. And he does. And he says, that's the Lord's arrow. All you have to do is shoot it. And God will act. There's nothing you need to do. God's busy. But then he tells him to take a bunch of arrows. And he says, strike them on the ground. And he strikes it three times. And then Elisha says, literally in, a, in, in my translation, drat. If you had struck them more times, you would have defeated Aram more times. But because you only struck them three times, you're only going to defeat them three times. In other words, God is limited by your lack of view of opportunity. There was a window that the Lord's arrow went out of, but you didn't recognize the window of opportunity. We need to just go for it and see what God's doing and act. Number six, are you all still good? Some of you had lack of faith and thought I wouldn't finish. Because when you say eight points, some of the staff go, <gasps> number six, we must not be blind to opportunities. 
Luke chapter 19, Jesus visits the city of Jerusalem. And it says, as he approached, he saw the city and he wept over it. And he said, if you, even you, had known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. What's hidden from your eyes? God could be passing right by your home, your business, your future, and you don't see it. Who's in the foyer while you're having coffee and you're trying to look for all the good-looking chicks and you're looking at bottoms and, and you're missing heads and personalities and characters? Was you blind to the right thing? And here there was a visitation in the city and they missed it. Jesus was right there, the King of Kings, the Son of the living God. And they missed it. And I'll tell you what causes us to miss opportunity, victim thinking. We blame everybody. We blame the past. We're victims of this society, this economy, you know, there's so much work to do in the world still to remove prejudice and not just my racial prejudice, I'm talking about all. And, and so we sit there, instead of seeing that despite prejudice, despite negativity, you can rise up above it. That's why I wrote a book, just by the way, I wrote a book called Taking Control of Your Life because when you blame others and you have a victim mentality, you don't have control, others have control. Their opinions, their prejudices rule you and you don't see God opportunities. You become blind to them instead of seeing what God is doing. You know, we need to remember that the Lord promised in Genesis that as long as the earth remains, certain things will keep happening. Hmm? Seed time and harvest, summer and winter, cold and heat, sowing and reaping. There's a principle at work in the earth that if you work it, it will work for you. But if you have a victim mentality, you'll never see any progress. Julius uh, Mwali is a Kenyan, or M. Whale. I'm not sure how you pronounce his name. It seems to be M. Whale. Uh, he was once walking barefoot in a Kenyan village. He's now become a billionaire in the U.S. Everyone's like, tell me more, tell me more. <laughs> he spotted opportunity. And uh, he went to college, listen to this, and he got a diploma in telecommunications engineering. When all his friends around him were studying to be dentists and doctors and professionals, he saw a gap in the market for telecommunications engineering where he could live anywhere in the world. And he said this, he said, I knew by getting the technology qualification, I could compete with any person in the world. Well, being a dentist or a doctor is good. I knew being a doctor in Kenya would limit me to the Kenyan environment only. However, being a telecommunications engineer, I would be global. I would be able to access resources globally. He certainly was not blind to opportunity. What opportunities lie before us? We need to ask God to take the scales off our eyes and seize our God-given opportunities. Number seven, opportunities seized lead to other opportunities. If you don't take opportunity, it's almost like you don't get any more. But if you grab them, you get more. You're all probably saying, where do you find it in the Bible? I knew you were asking that. Do you remember Joseph interpreted the dreams for the butler and the baker? Hmm? He seized an opportunity to be of service. And guess what? The baker remembered him. It was two years later. 
And he ended up standing before Pharaoh. One opportunity seized leads to a bigger opportunity. And we need to seize our God-given opportunities because God will open them up and open more up to us. You can read the book of Acts chapter 6. You'll see Stephen and Philip there, two men who've waited on tables. And we see Philip ending up becoming the evangelist. He's known as Philip the evangelist, not Philip the deacon. He ended up preaching, bringing the revival to Samaria, Ethiopia. He ended up with the official of Candace, the queen. One small opportunity taken leads to another one. Stephen ends up preaching to the whole Sanhedrin and becoming a figurehead, one of the longest sermons in the Bible. F.B. Meyer said this. He said, don't waste your time waiting and longing for large opportunities which may never come, but faithfully handle the little things that are always claiming your attention. Number eight, and I'm nearly done. God opportunities, this is very important, though lost, can be found again. Doesn't that encourage you? Some of you are sitting there saying, oh, if only. Well, I want to tell you, God opportunities, though lost, can be found again. If you read the book of Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells the tale of lost things. Lost sheep, lost son, lost coin. And then he says this, a woman lost the coin and it wasn't lost forever. She lit a lamp and she swept. What is there that's under dust in your life that you need to recover and have a look at again? It's not gone, it's just hidden. And she sweeps and she finds the coin. Why did she lose it in the first place? Well, you know, sometimes we don't value what we've got. We don't recognize what's in our hand as valuable and we end up abusing it or mistreating it instead of seeing, hey, this one thing, this little thing, is, oh, this is my opportunity. This is almost like my one talent. Maybe it fell off, maybe it was bumped, maybe someone bumped her. You can lose your opportunities through other people. You can lose it through neglect, lack of appreciation. But I want to tell you what, you can regain them. And if you mine and you seek, like it says in the book of Job, that you, you dig down and you begin to find God will open up opportunities for you and give you again what is under the dust. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.